Well, we're calling our Advent series uh, A Season of Grace. And we're exploring a few of the historical characters surrounding the Nativity story. And if you were joining us last week, you'll know that uh, we've taken some liberties in a bit more of a non-traditional presentation of this story. Um, But the heart of the story, I hope, I trust, remains true. And uh, uh, maybe a few of us need a fresh take on this. Maybe uh, you've been around the story a long time. Maybe some of you need a fresh feeling of grace. And although you would think that uh, this time with restrictions would uh, be simpler and less busy, I think many people are finding that it's just as stressful, if not more stressful, than usual just because of all the unknowns and the different ways we have to do things. Do you know that there's grace for you in this amazing story? Let's go there now. Well, this one night, uh, temperatures dropped on a thermometer. We were warming by a December fire. Asher, he was telling his version of the time that uh, that wolf came for the sheep and Mendel peed his pants. <laughs> when out of nowhere, the sky lights up like, like lightning. The shepherds were visited. Dun, dun. And they were very afraid. Ah, ah, ah. We're so afraid. I mean, you never seen anything like it. We are all on our faces. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news of great joy. Today in the city of David, a Savior has been born to you. His name name is is Christ Christ the Lord, and this this shall be a sign to you. You shall find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. Then they sang, the host, the multitude, it was, it was like heaven opened in that field on the hills above Bethlehem. do it yeah let's go so we went all of us all of us and we found him just as the angel had said this baby in a manger
And then, and then we told everyone. I mean, they had to know. Everyone had to know the Messiah had finally arrived. This new king who would change everything. Go tell it on the mountain that Jesus Christ is born. John 3.16 and 17 says this. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. And our big idea this morning is that God loved the world enough to give himself for everyone. God loved the world enough to give himself for everyone. This story has a narrative. Yeah, well, uh, you know, we watch sheep. It's what we do. He could have got a jab at McDonald's or something, but I like the outdoors, you know what I'm saying? I finished school to grade three. I mean... What else is there to learn, right? Hey, what are you doing here? This is not your story. We'd like to be in this story, too. (laughs) Bro, uh, be careful rewriting history when you're in your own time and place, right? The story is the story. You can't change the story. You got to stick to the story, right? You know what I'm saying there, right? Get out of here. Go on. Sheesh. (laughs) This part of the Christmas story is told in Luke chapter 2. Now, uh, as I said before, our version's taken some liberties, and although maybe strangely told, it does stick to the heart of the story, which in Luke chapter 2 says this, There were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And the shepherds go and they find everything just like the angel said. There's Mary and Joseph and there's Jesus baby Jesus in a manger. And their response to this event, this experience, is to go and tell everyone that they meet about what's happening, praising God and spreading the good news message that the Messiah, the Savior, had come. Now, uh, first century shepherds are different than shepherds in other parts of the Bible. And there's lots of references to shepherds in the Bible. There's some notable ones. There's, you know, Abraham is a shepherd and his, his sons are shepherds. And that's kind of the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And they're pretty well known. And then, you know, uh, Moses is a shepherd uh, for a time. And then you've also got David, who's, you know, arguably the greatest king ever in his, Israel's history. And he's a shepherd for the first part of his life as well. And, um, but, you know, by the time we get to first century shepherds, they're not held in high esteem anymore. They're, they're m- more like nomadic outcasts who 
Uh, maybe their re- reputation would be closer to if you thought about like European gypsies, kind of how Europeans think about gypsies coming through, you know, when they kind of park outside town, everyone battens down the hatches and locks the doors and Colt puts away the valuables because that's kind of the reputation of around gypsies. And, um, and so the inclusion of shepherds in this story is, it's a strange one. You know, there's a, a holy angel named Gabriel who s- describes himself as one who stands in the presence of Almighty God, and uh, he appears in the temple. And I think, you know, yes, that makes sense, in the temple. That's where kind of where we would expect an angel to be, behind the curtains, be, you know, hidden from view in the holy place, a, a place where they might drag you out by the leg if you weren't ready for the glory when it shows up. And angels appear in dreams. Joseph gets a couple of those, and that makes sense to me too. But to shepherds in fields outside Bethlehem, why shepherds? There's a grace point for us. I worked the last two years in with this crew, you know? There's Asher and Aaron and Levi and Benjamin, Daniel and Mendel and Ezra and Getzel. <laughs> but do you recall the greatest shepherd of all? Reuben, the red-nosed shepherd. Hey, get out of here. You're just a drunk. Yeah, that's right. There's no reindeer in this story. That's what I'm saying, you know? Shepherds, we're a motley crew to be sure. So let's not sugarcoat shepherds, okay? Are they, oh, the glass nativity version is a cherub, all right? But you, you and I know better, don't we? It's easy to forget. The smells, the sounds, the reality of that night. A nativity on your piano, it can be sanitized. But the real characters, they ain't made of glass. The historical people, they were not. They smelled like, like outside living. Oh, P.U., you stink. Yeah, and, and annual showers. <laughs> they, they talk like, like construction workers, and, and they ain't singing no pa rumpa pum pum pa rumpa pum 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 We're a rough crowd, to be sure. Rough and tough. That's who we are. I'll give you three reasons why shepherds. Number one, God loved in the mess. Romans 5 verse 8 says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And this incredible oft quoted verse is hard to fathom. You know, God loves people who are a mess. That's the verse. And we're this bundle of contradictions and compromises, you know, the, the good we, we know we want to do, we don't do, and, and the, the bad we want not to do, that's what we end up doing. And as Paul says in Romans 7, what a wretched man that I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? These messes, these wretches, God loved God loved. John 3.16 says, For God so loved. 
the world that he gave. He loved the world and so he gave. Shepherds arriving as the first invited guests of this new baby king tell us something about the kind of king Jesus is and will be and the kind of kingdom that he's bringing about. For all people, the angel says. Brennan Manning says, this is the only God man has ever heard of who loves sinners. God loved people in their mess. And then he demonstrated his love by coming into the mess. And the first people who show up are the messiest. It's the shepherds. Secondly, this word whoever. I mean, it, it should stick with you a bit. Whoever. This one word, this most important word. A word that carries with it our hopes for change, for redemption, for renewal, for our new remade future with us in it. The Greek word, whoever is the word pas. It's a common word translated a lot of different times. Uh, translated a lot of times all or all things or every, all men, whosoever, everyone, all manner of, every man, everything, any, <laughs> Like, you get the idea. <laughs> this includes a lot. Everything. Whoever. Whoever. Uh, homosexuals? Yes. Transgender? Yes. Shepherds? Yes. Outsider magi? Yes. Liars, murderers, disobedient, adulterers, prostitutes, tax collectors, fishermen, centurions, synagogue leaders, Pharisees, Catholics, whoever. Whoever believes. This is the new criteria. It's not, not birth. It's not nationality. It's not foreskin. It's not gold stars. It's not Sunday attendance, but belief, trust, in the son who was given. The invitation of shepherds defines whoever. Whoever. And thirdly, because God came to save and not condemn. Because God came to save and not condemn. John 3.17 says, For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. I mean, this statement Jesus makes is, is quoted by many people, but it's believed by very few, I think. After all, we've heard that God is a judge and he has wrath, a whole bunch of it. Jonathan Edwards said, The God that holds you over the pit of hell, much as one holds a spider or some loathsome insect over the fire, abhors you. And is dreadfully provoked. His wrath toward you burns like a fire. It's easier to believe God hates us. I think because after all, many of us hate ourselves. Don't we? I mean, we feel our shame. We know who we are and what we've done. And we know how easy it is to despise ourselves. I imagine 
an alternate universe in which the nativity scene looks very different. I, I know ours is the way it is, but I imagine a different universe where the story turns out a little differently. That the birth of the Son of God, Savior of the world and King of the Jews, would be attended by purified temple priests. Someone blowing a shofar or many people. Some, maybe some synagogue leaders, but only really the very best ones and a few Pharisees, the top-notch, highest achieving ones. I imagine the guy who is waiting in the temple, Simeon, and, and maybe the prophetess Anna, they seem like, you know, stand-up people. They should be there. Someone should be waving incense and really just the, the very most righteous would attend this birth. But God says, I loved you and I came to save you. <laughs> Shepherds first and then whoever. And these grace points demand application. Uh, this is Kevin reporting live from WCB Bethlehem. Um, so just a couple questions, guys. Um, Bethlehem is wondering, what have you learned from this experience? Yeah, I learned uh, I'm loved by God, you know. I learned Jesus is my savior. I'm a fast runner. Fast. So fast. Really? That's so great. And uh, my second question is, what has changed for you? I mean, just what has changed? Just, you know, just roll with it. Roll with it. What, what's coming to mind about what has changed? I, I, I love people. Uh, I love these guys. You know, I've, I've changed. And, um, well, something happened in my heart. I, it's hard to explain. Something happened in my heart. Love, love, love. Gotta love that love. That's what's happening. Love, baby. I'm loved. And uh, and this allows me to love others. So so that's what I'm doing. Uh, you know, keep it on the down low a little bit. But you know, that's what's happening. Delightful. This is WCB signing off. Bethlehem. This Sunday, our... Advent word is love. Love. Love? Love in a global pandemic? In this loss? In these restrictions? In this loneliness? In the shifting landscape? In this chaotic world? In this uncertainty? We need love. The uh, Instagram poet Atticus <laughs> says she didn't want love. She wanted to be loved, and that was entirely different. You are loved. You are loved. This is the message of the good news. The message the shepherds carried, the reality of this baby lying in a manger bed outside the inn in Bethlehem, he really came. And the first application 
would be that we would begin to believe that God loves us and allow it to change you. Secondly, whoever believes, James 2 verse 5 says, Listen, my dear brothers and sisters, has not God chosen those who are poor in the eyes of the world to be rich in faith and inherit the kingdom he promised those who love him? And I think we need to stop talking about ourselves like like we don't deserve this. (laughs) You don't. You don't deserve this. But Jesus came and invited you. And so now you aren't an outsider anymore. I mean, shepherds carry this message now. It's shepherds. And thirdly, God was missional. And so must we be. John 13, 34 to 35, Jesus says to his disciples and to us, A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. So so the mark of a Christian of a follower of Jesus is not how right you are. It's not whether you could predict the end of the world or whether you've nailed down exactly how this COVID thing should, should break down. The mark of a Christian is love. Love like Jesus. That's how they're going to know us. Love Love, love. And so, in conclusion, God loved the world enough to give himself for everyone. John 1.14 says, The word became flesh and dwelt among us. We have observed his glory. The glory as the one and only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. As the story is told, an angel appears to shepherds in fields outside Bethlehem and they're told that the Messiah is in Bethlehem and they go to worship him. And after they find him, exactly as the angel has said, they go out and they tell everyone about this incredible news. And if there's anything that seeing shepherds in a nativity should remind you of, it's maybe these three things. First, that we are loved just as we are. God came into our mess and invited us to worship him. Secondly, whoever is invited, whoever, if shepherds, then anyone, everyone, everyone, who, whoever believes, this is the new criteria. And thirdly, God was missional and so must we be. He could have condemned us in person. I mean, that's just what we'd expect. It would fit our view of him, wouldn't it? But instead he loved extravagantly, generously, and invited us to the same, being full of grace and truth. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you this morning for your grace your empowering presence offered to us, not on our own merits, but on yours. Thank you for this picture, shepherds, 
these undeserving low-life outcasts, riffraff, invited in so that we would know you love us just as we are. And your invitation is that we would come and worship you, come and be changed. And we do ask that you would change us, that your love would transform us, that it would mark us. Oh God, help us not to be those who are marked by being right, but by those who love. Those who love. Make us a people who love. For your name and for your glory. Amen.